Mama is treating me to breakfast. Yep, let me see your phone. Huh? Look here. I download this McDonald's app because when you buy any bagel sandwich like the steak, egg, and cheese bagel, you get one free. Wait, you just bought that on my phone. That's right. Now that you got McDonald's money, you could treat Mama. <laughs> okay, Ma, you got it. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Valid through 10-222 at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. App download and registration required. Hello, my beautiful souls, and welcome to Fear It Goes. We are talking to Lanny Donaldson this week. She is a brilliant educator that has come up with an absolutely spectacular system that I can't wait to share with you today. So strap on in and discover what education really can be for our children and the future generations to come. Welcome to Fear It Goes, the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. I'm your host, Brandi Taylor. Hi, Lanny. It's such a pleasure to have you here. I'm so excited to really get to the goods of Engaged Educators and the new NAS project and what that's going to mean. So I am ecstatic to have you in Fear It Goes for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. No, you're welcome. I'm, I'm stoked. <laughs> stoked. Love that word. <laughs> so um, I think we should just kind of have a little discussion around how this all started and what NAS is, because NAS is very near and dear to my heart. And I love the movement that you are creating. And I think it's extremely powerful and very purposeful and really needed in the world, honestly, that you will revolutionize our education system, which desperately needs it. So without further ado, share with our beautiful audience how this all started. Uh, Lanny comes from a background of growing up dyslexic, but not diagnosed that. So uh, I struggled a bit through school, uh, went to university, kind of sort of by accident. That's a long story in itself. Um, <laughs> But I became a teacher because I, um, I was fortunate to have some really, really good teachers. And I became a teacher and I worked for the school board for almost two decades as both a teacher and administrator. And when I was a teacher, I found out what really happens to kids when they don't learn to read well. So I taught secondary. So when my students would come into my classroom and, and didn't read well and, and had difficulty learning because of that, I had to redesign a lot of things. And I sat back and I started thinking about what was wrong with the school system and why it doesn't work. And I left the school system really to make a change for kids and I started off just teaching kids to read. And um, that so kind of into other things. I know that there's a lot of kids that fall through the cracks and my son was one of them and that's actually how I met Lanny um, because I introduced him to her system which has been a godsend but there when we're talking about kids that fall through the cracks often it means that kids 
don't actually, they will, they will continue to move ahead without the knowledge that they need to actually really move ahead because our system now says you pass regardless. Yeah, we have, we have a system that's, you know, if you really want to look at the big picture, we, we do have, yeah, put your hand up if it, if it have huge gaps falling within <laughs> the knowledge base. And it's, sometimes it's created by the way our system okay. is, all right, organized. We have 21st century kids going to 20th century buildings. There's not a problem. But those 21st century kids are going to the 20th century buildings to get an education that's, that's based on a 19th century model. And we're not there anymore. Kids are wired differently now. And the problem with the system, when we have classes of 30 or 35, however many is in a class, the teacher only has so much time to teach a concept. So when the teacher teaches a concept and your child misses it, misses the concept, then what happens is we have a gap because our system is all layered. And if you miss one concept, the next one is built on the concept before. So you get this huge gap and you get these big, huge crevices. They're not even cracks anymore that kids fall through. I find the whole concept of you just move ahead really bizarre considering you could have a kid in grade six that can't even read at a grade two level Mm -hmm. struggling. It's not even just about necessarily the concept that they're not getting like just the basic foundations of what allows us to learn isn't even there. Right. When, when I was, when I was a teacher in a classroom, I taught secondary school and um, I saw firsthand what happened to kids if they didn't read because 80% of what you do in a classroom in a day is based in reading. So if kids don't read well, 80% of their time is spent doing the one thing that they don't do. Right. And it creates these huge anxieties for kids and these yep. gapping because they can't read the material and they can't process it. So if you, if you have difficulty with reading, it's fundamental. And from kindergarten to grade three, you learn to read. From grade four on, you read to learn. So if you miss that, that window in the front, then school becomes very difficult further down the line. And I find this too. Kids think they're dumb. Like I will never forget um, my son when, I don't know, I think he was probably grade three, grade two, grade three. And he was struggling and he would come home and he would be so upset and sometimes he would cry. And he was just so frustrated with the fact that he couldn't do what his friends were doing, what the rest of his class was doing. And why can't I? These are the thoughts that go through their heads. Well, why can't I do that? So if I can't do that, I must be dumb. Or something's wrong with me. Something is wrong with me. Instead of a system that supports, truly supports and says, nothing's wrong with you. We just have to approach this slightly different or we just have to try something different or we just have to work on this. But that's not, un- it's very unfortunate that's not what happens. Right. One of, one of the things people don't understand is learning to read is one of the most difficult things you will ever have to master. And you have to master it when you're a kid. It's really unfair. And, you know, there are no stupid kids. They're just not made. You know, I, there could be an argument made for, for stupid adults. Um, <laughs> however, um, seems to be a, a plethora of them sometimes. Freeway at six o'clock comes to mind. Um, 
<laughs> but there are no stupid kids. There are kids that, that don't learn the way they're being taught, and that has to change. You have to individualize how, how we're, we're teaching kids, and, and reading is, is fundamental and, and the cornerstone. And I don't understand when, when a child doesn't learn to read or is having difficulty learning to read, why don't they just stop all the subjects, teach the child to read, then bring in math, and then science and social studies after that, because reading, if you don't have good reading skills, then it impacts every, every subject. And yeah, and eventually it'll impact recess and lunch hour because you know, your frustration in the classroom is gonna go out onto the playground. It's interesting, because it certainly could affect behaviors. Certainly could. When you feel you're dumb, or you feel you don't fit in, or you feel something's wrong with you, it really skews the way that you are showing up with the rest of your life and the rest of um, your experiences with other people, for sure. Right, and it's, it's, uh, it's tough for kids because it impacts their self-esteem and they, you know, it's not too long down the line before they go, there must be something wrong with me because I'm not getting as quick as that kid over there. Yep. And the reality is, is you know, if you have a class of you know, 35 kids, you're going to have three to four that struggle with it. So in a normal system, and I, I can say this just from our experience, um, our system sets up what's called an IPP. So it just means that you have some additional support because your child needs it. Now, I have found with the additional support, it's still not giving what my child needs. Um, and the additional support really isn't, they, like they do the best they can, but funding is what it is, right? So the additional support really isn't that additional. And it certainly isn't getting him where he needed to go. That's why we sought you out. <laughs> right. One of the difficulties is, you know, our school system here in Alberta is, is uh, in the city we live in, is, is actually one of the best funded. The problem is, is the money goes to the wrong places. <laughs> so the system in itself is not set up so that kids get that additional help. And you can't expect a teacher with a class of 30 to 35 kids right. to be able to do the one-on-one. -on -one. And it's, it's difficult because teachers, you know, being in a classroom is a very challenging place to be. And I'm not so sure an IPP is, is certainly not a, a teacher's best friend, nor is it very functional for kids either. Right. And it's interesting when you say that it's challenging being in a classroom with that many kids. Back when uh, my oldest was in, he was in a specialized school because he's a really smart kid. And, um, and we found his teacher struggled with that classroom because there was a lot of different characteristic dynamics going on in that classroom. So even just being able to rein it in and have the kids do what they were supposed to do was a problem. <laughs> So, I mean, there's so many challenges teaching to begin with when kids are young and then layer on potential issues with learning or struggles with the style of learning or way of learning. And speaking of styles, you and I have had conversations about the way that we learn or how we take in our information in the most practical ways with each of us. And the more I study neuroscience and the more I study the brain and how behaviors and patterns are developed, I know that we take in all of our 
information through our five senses. This is how we learn. This is how we adapt information and then kind of perceive the world through those adaptations or those lenses, I like to call them. Uh-huh. So when we're learning, really, we learn basically through three, right? Uh-huh. Three mains, um, auditory, visual, or kinesthetic. And it was so funny the day that you said I was a kinesthetic learner and I always thought I was visual because <laughs> I did not know that. And it made a lot of sense um, about how you draw your information and what makes it easier to learn. So can we talk about that a little bit too? Sure. Sure we can. You know, it's, it's, we, we use all of our senses to learn. There's, there's no doubt about it. Right. Um, and, you know, if, if you do learning styles inventories with kids and you can, you know, you can Google it and do it on, online for free. There's lots you, you, for free, and, but it has to, has to be designed for kids if you're, if you're testing kids. But adults, when you, when you test adults, their learning inventories will come out fairly flat simply because we've learned to operate in, in all different areas. Kids don't have that advantage because they haven't had the, the length of time in order to do it. If you get kids who are dyslexic, per se, that that you know have difficulty with reading, that sort of shuts down one part of, of their ability to learn. They tend to become very auditory learners, but all kids start out as kinesthetic learners. I mean, they all do. All babies are kinesthetic. Because why would they put their foot in their mouth? You know. <laughs> or why would they stick everything through? Like, why would everything go through hands? They have to touch it. They have to taste it, smell it, whatever they can do, right? They're taking it in through their senses, but that's true. Everything goes through hands too. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you can, you can pick up kids who are kinesthetic simply because they, they have to have motion. They have to move in order to learn all our one-on-one programs that we run here. All kids are on chairs that, that spin, (laughs) And so that they can move and they can get rid of that anxiety because when they're here working with us, they're doing, say it's reading, for example, um, it's one-on-one with an instructor and we're asking them to do things that don't make them feel comfortable in terms of their ability to read. Right. But at least they're on a chair that they can move and they can swing their legs back and forth. It drives parents nuts. Uh, Certainly doesn't bother my instructors, nor does it bother me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I meet a kid and the first thing I do is put them on a chair with wheels and, and that spins. And they're um, happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you have to meet kids where they are in order to take them where they need to go. So very important. And it's, it's funny because when I look back over learning throughout my lifetime, um, the times that I learned without studying, the times that I learned, I just picked it up. I just absorbed it. There was never an issue of grasping the concept were all kinesthetically based. So when I first started learning biology and human anatomy and got into sciences in a really heavy way, it was all kinesthetic the way it was set up. And it, I, it made so much sense as to why I was always a straight A student in all lab work because it's kinesthetic. <laughs> it's all process. Funny. Right. And it's, it's, um, it's interesting to see you know, even even nowadays when when school systems are are trying to make change, but it's tough to make change when you're still in the same box. Right. But you know they're 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 trying to get more 
movement and kinesthetics and and whatnot in a classroom, but but our system just isn't designed for it because we're all sitting in in rows or at tables or wherever in a classroom learning a subject along with everybody else and we have to keep the same pace as everyone else but you know if i need to get up and walk around i'm not allowed to do that because i'll distract everybody else right let's talk about nas because this gets me so excited lanny has been doing one like individualized programs um, but nas is a whole different ball game it's a brand new school that is going to explode. <laughs> so let's talk about NAS because this is an amazing project that should not be a project. This is a movement. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, you know, the, the whole thing when we sit down, when I sit down with my staff is we're making learning magical through, through innovation and by challenging entrenched behaviors and beliefs about what school is and what it looks like. So we just came up with the NAS project. NAS stands for not a school because we're <laughs> not a school <laughs> because we, you know, it's, it's, it's innovative. It's out of the box thinking. Uh, it creates a, a unique educational experience for kids because we do sit down with them and we do meet them where they are and take them where they need to go. And Which in itself is so exciting. Because the love of learning is a lifetime skill set that we absolutely need. Right. I, I think the NAS project is a game changer because the, the kids that are here, we sit down with them, we design their plan with them, what they, they want to excel in, the, the weaknesses that they want to, uh, to strengthen, and we teach in a manner that they can consume the information and not be frustrated by it. Right. So um, the NAS project, does it follow, well, obviously, does it follow curriculum? Like, yes and no, I would think. Like That's, there's certain information that has to be learned. Yeah, the NAS project follows, um, we use Alberta Ed's curriculum as our minimum standard. Right. And then we pull in curriculum from around the world. So we pull in curriculum uh, from Singapore. You look at Singapore, the, the city is the country. You know, they, they export intellectual capital, right. which, which means they have to be very good at their education system. And so we pull in from Singapore. We pull in from Finland, uh, who has uh, a very good system as well. And we pull curriculum from, from other countries, but pieces of, of, of curriculum, not, not the entire thing, because, of course, we're a different country, a different culture. Right. And, um, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not the same culture as, as they are in South Korea or in China or in Japan. We need, we need to, to develop a system that works for every child, not just teach down the middle and hope that the kids that are really smart aren't too bored and the kids that are struggling um, don't become a behavior difficulty in the classroom. Right. Right. It's interesting when we look at bell curve and how things are taught it within the bell curve and the kids inside the bell do fine. And the ones on the outlying don't do fine. And I literally have two kids on the outside. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. There's, there's no bell curves here. We don't, <laughs> um, you know, I, I started NAS by taking a look at what would happen if, if 
and, and I'm, I'm a big person with what if questions. And I said, what Good if questions. building a better school system has everything to do with students, parents, and teachers? And what if building a better school system has nothing to do with government, school boards, government-mandated curriculum, and standardized testing? Right. And that's, that's where the NASP project started to take off is when we, when we put the kids in the center and surrounded them by parents who really wanted their kids to have a, an absolutely amazing educational experience and teachers who just have a passion to teach. I think that's another thing that you find actually in any industry, in any career industry, but you find people who are exceptional and so passionate, so excited about what they're doing. And then you find others that really should have moved on quite some time ago, but they aren't moving on. And they're, they're just not engaged. And therefore, in the case of education, kids aren't necessarily engaged either. Well, right. Ergo, the name of my company is Engaged Educators. Um, <laughs> someone, someone actually asked me, is what makes you different? Well, number one, we're engaged. Um, so will your students. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I, I really think at the, at, the, at the crux of when we're, we're educating students, there's two things going in the future because we don't know really what jobs are going to be down the line. Um, we, can, we can guess, we can, you know, we can predict, but there's two things I'll guarantee you children will have to know how to do and have to master. And one is how to talk to machines. Right how to be able to communicate with, with machines and, and, you know, you've got to be able to read in order to be able to code. So, you know, the fundamentals are very important. So one is talking to machines. So the second thing that is, the second thing is they can never, ever, ever forget what it means to be human, mm -hmm. to be compassionate, to be uh, empathetic, to be mm -hmm. kind, be caring, be respectful, uh, be resilient. All of these things kids have to learn, and it's not something that just pops into a, a little human being as they grow. It's something that has to be nurtured and, and taught. So EQ is mm -hmm. important. I would totally agree. Um, strong EQ allows you different opportunities in the world with a strong EQ. And I think also critical thinking is one of those things you and I have had numerous conversations around. Um, how important critical thinking is and the ability to be able to adapt because there's so much specialization today in today's current system. Everybody's specialized and can't work outside of those specialties. Most don't. I don't know how to do that. Therefore, that's not my job. Sometimes it is your job. <laughs> what do you do then? You know, a, a good point about specialization, we became, you know, we become so, so specialized, I, I think is, as we continue to create technology at a faster rate than we can figure out the consequences of doing so, right. we have to ensure that our kids understand how to collaborate because if we have specialized field, we need to collaborate with people that have the skill sets that we don't. So collaboration by, by 2030 collaborations can be a huge marketable skill. Which again works towards, okay, so critical thinking and EQ because without EQ, it doesn't matter. <laughs> does not matter if you can't interface with other people. And there are a lot of people out there today that cannot communicate well with other people, period. 
Just oh, yeah, watch teenagers text each other from across the table. <laughs> I witness this regularly. It's so bizarre. So bizarre, this generation and the way they communicate. Yes. Yeah, and, and, you, and you really need to, to uh, you know, look at, look at kids and, and, and sit with them and, and understand where they're coming from and, and you know, their concerns. A lot of kids nowadays, especially when they get up into, you know, the high school years are, are concerned about what's ahead. Right. And, you know, we get concerned about things and scared for things because we're afraid of them. But if we have really, you know, concentrated skill sets, then we know that we can conquer those things. And critical thinking is huge, especially nowadays with, with all the technology and, and kids having the ability to say, well, what if that's not true? Oh, God, what if that's not true? Or does that actually help? So I look at questioning belief systems on a regular basis. Is this helping or is it harming? Is it actually progressing me? Is it progressing other people? What is the purpose of this belief system and does it work or not? Um, and it's funny. I, I think that that's so applicable to kids too. I see this moving forward when it comes to careers and um, the way that the old system has been. You know, hey, I'm 18. Now I'm going to university and I should choose what my career path is going to be for the rest of my life. But yet I'm not legal to drink. I'm <laughs> barely legal to drive. And my brain, my frontal lobe isn't even fully developed, but I'm supposed to make these absolutely life critical decisions at this age. Seems kind of ludicrous, really. But if instead of I need to do this to get here and I need to do this to get here, that's a means. So a means goal. Why don't we look at the end? What do I want in this life? And how, and then the how's, how I'm going to get that will show up in many different ways. And maybe that's a different approach to the way that we're going to set our goals or set our visions moving forward in this generation. I hope so anyways. I hope they start looking at things that matter instead of the, I have to get this GPA to get into the school. I have to get this school to go do this. And then I have to get that job so that I can what? Buy a big house and buy this car. But for what reason? Why? Because the big picture is I want to have these things because it enriches my life. I want to have these enrichments for these reasons. I want to experience these things. Find your bigger whys. And I think it will direct us in a much better, healthier way as a society. But sorry, I just went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, in, you know, in the NAS project, we, we actually talk a lot about the whys. I think why is one of the best questions you can ever ask yourself is the whys, the deeper whys. Because then you get to the crooks or the, the root of what really matters for you as a human being and how you're going to represent that in the world. What you want to do in the world. Um, do you want to be a doctor? Why? <laughs> because my parents told me to be. Or because I really love the human body and I think that I can do magical things with it. And I think that I can really move the human evolution forward. Or why? Why? <laughs> Why do you want to do these things? I can really make an impact. That's a deeper why and that matters. And that drives us from our soul instead of just a, well, my parents told me I should do this or it's going to make good money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when I became a teacher, it, it was because I want to make a positive, significant difference to the lives of others so that they can impact tomorrow in a positive way. That was my whole why. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting when I was, uh, I was working with a, 
a high school student and uh, he was he was really struggling with social studies and, and I was working with him one-on-one -on -one here in the office and he goes well social studies is just stupid and I said well what makes why? you say that <laughs> and uh, he said well I don't understand why I have to learn this and I go ah okay you don't know why the high school curriculum in Alberta is based on globalization and so you're learning what happens here impacts people across the globe and right. the reverse is also true right and when he suddenly dawned on him that there was actually a why to the curriculum There's a purpose he was fine right but he, you know he stopped digging his feet in so you know why is a big thing and if and if education was this sitting consistently um, thinking of, of, of the why and teaching kids the why, not necessarily the how, that's, right. that's, the, that's the job of the teacher. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, why are we learning this? Why, why is this important? Why is it crucial that you master critical thinking and EQ and the art of conversation? <laughs> why is it why is it important that that happens you know why is it important that you know how to be compassionate or empathetic you know right. our, our world would have far less conflict if everybody understood that right something I find really interesting about the way you teach too is the why's get kids engaged I will say that but you make it fun like every time my son is in your class He's happy to be there. He's excited. He's absolutely engaged. And I can honestly say this from five years in the actual normal system, there has been one year where he felt that he was pretty engaged and really happy being in school and the rest of it has not been that experience. But he is happy every time he's with you. Every time he goes in there, he's excited to come. And every time he leaves, he's excited to do the work most of the time. <laughs> and then the work comes and then actually he's been really good. I have to say over this last year, he's been excellent, but in the beginning it was a little bit of a fight. <laughs> yeah. I think that the, the key to getting kids engaged is, is to ensure that they feel important. And, and we, here we put kids at the center. We make a lot of times we make the kid, the teacher. So we teach them inside their head instead of talking at them. Right. It's very different when you come from the space of I get to be a part of the solution or when they feel that they are coming up with some of their own answers instead of just being told. And I, as a parent, find sometimes it's very easy to just give the answers, <laughs> but it's not as beneficial or as impactful ever to just give the answers. It's much better for them. And it's much better for all of us really as humans to just be able to come up with our own and just be guided where we need it, kind of reined in sometimes when we need it. But really, it always feels more right within us when we come up with the answers ourselves. To a certain extent, you know, you, you just, you ask guiding questions so that the kid's not, you know. That's right. Um, floundering. Floundering and, and, and feeling that they can't do it and they feel disempowered and, and you run into trouble trying to, to educate a child if they're not feeling empowered by it. Right. Makes sense. So, you know, here we, we use, when our, in our reading program, we use uh, specialized technology that speeds up learning so we can, we can uh, get kids to the success line quicker than, uh, most programs can. So 
you know, right now we average a 3.4 grade increase, uh, average increase in 20 hours of instruction, which is lightning fast to teach someone to read. So 20 hours, just so, so I can clarify this, 20 hours of instruction means over a 20-week time period because there's implementation too. But over yeah. 20 weeks, we've seen leaps and bounds with our son. And it's amazing to see the difference within them too because they feel confident. And when they do these tests that just kind of give them a frame of reference, okay, so this is where you're at, this is where you were at, and they get to see that, it's so exciting for them. So exciting for them. It's pretty exciting for parents too. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, uh, it is. And it's and exciting for the instructors. Like the instructors are the, the big cheerleaders, right? They're just, you know, rah-rah. And honestly, everybody needs rah-rahs. And I don't care if you're a kid or an adult. You do need the positive reinforcements around you. You really do. Because too often we're so critical in our own heads and critical in not so helpful ways. <laughs> Definitely not critical thinking. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Critical and painful ways, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so with the NAS, let's talk about NAS and where it's at right now and where we're going with NAS. What well, are we, we looking just, for? Well, we just uh, we just finished our pilot year, um, and now we're 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 working to to launch full full go. Um. We're we're still looking for some funding to to make uh, things flow a little easier. Uh, so we're looking for funding with students. We're looking for some more students. We do have uh, some slots left. Uh, we're keeping it fairly small to to start with. Our our uh, obviously our our pilot year was was small numbers but we're going we're just going to grow it bits and bits until probably 2 3 years and then we're we'll just blow the doors out and, and uh, we will max our student uh, numbers at about 380 380 and what does that mean per classroom uh interestingly enough we don't really have classrooms um we do have classrooms that uh Teachers will take kids into and teach them a concept, but then kids go uh, to different areas and in collaborative groups and, and actually apply those concepts. And because we utilize technology as a tool, not a band-aid, kids will practice mastery on computers. So at the end of the day, the instructor or the teacher can pull up the content areas of, for each child and then they know what child missed the concept, what ones mastered it, and then the next morning they can grab those kids that missed the concept and reteach it so that we don't get this gapping. Right. Nobody falls behind because we can intervene immediately. Which I think is ideal and not even just ideal, it's absolutely crucial for the betterment of all of those students to be able to progress at a healthy rate instead of being kind of stuck behind years. A friend of mine, actually, his son is extremely smart and failing, failing within the system, but has moved ahead. So he's moved into grade nine and is, his math is suffering seriously and he just is not engaged whatsoever and he has not been engaged. He wasn't engaged actually all through grade eight. 
which was really interesting having discussions with him about school and how much he really didn't like it and he didn't pay attention and he didn't care. He didn't hand in assignments, nothing, no engagement. And he just fell through and still moved forward. Yeah. Possible. Yeah. That, so our, our system doesn't typically doesn't retain uh, students. And, and part of that is, is, you know, the research behind, you know, you can retain a child if you change the way you teach them. If changing the way you teach them equates to just talking louder um, and not changing strategy, then, then there's no sense retaining. And, you know, you can't fit a, a grade nine body in those grade one desks. No. So they just, they just keep pushing them and then kids get out the other end and, and are, we wonder why we have problems with people disengaged in, in business and disengaged in, in their career. It's because they've never learned to engage. Right. Another critical skill. Mm. How to engage. Yes. How to engage, how to be excited, how to be really involved and excited to be involved. Yeah. Right. With, with um, the kids, in, when we piloted NAS, um, because we, we accelerate learning, then the school day tends to be a little shorter. But Which then we were. kid loves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm done I, early. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think this year what we might do is uh, offer on Fridays, because Friday Friday's kids are off at 1 o'clock. Um, and they, they, our instructional day, kids can be come to school or come to the NAS project early, uh, but our formal instruction doesn't start till 9.30. And on Fridays, they, you know, they start at 9.30 and they, they're done at 1. But I think in the afternoon after 1 o'clock, we might offer a Harry Potter club or something. So That's fun because I don't know about you, but I'm a gigantic kid and I still love Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fun. There's so many things you could do with Harry Potter. You could do science club because that's just cool and that's potions right? Right. Um, you could do writing. You could, oh, you could do anything. You could do sports and just call it Quidditch. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have a Quidditch team. Awesome. It's so fun. <laughs> okay. So NAS is in its first year, moving into its first year, full blown, mm-hmm. um, coming out of pilot. It was very successful in pilot. I know, I know we've talked about that before. Um, what is it that outside of the kids being the center and the accelerated learning, what is it that makes NAS different? And okay, so accelerated learning, they're in class shorter periods of time, but we've touched on this and I don't think you've actually said it. What makes NAS different? Because we're not a school. (laughs) Not a school, not a school. I think, you know, in the NAS project, we have such low pupil-teacher ratio. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's stupidly simple for kids to, to um, engage and, and, and work with, with teachers. And teachers really become part of the family. And it's, it's, it's not that, you know, they're buddy-buddy with students. But in short, I, I guess at the NAS project, kids are, are front and center. They are. Our entire focus. We're not distracted by by other things, and because we meet them where they are and take them where they need to go, kids just feel important and they feel empowered 
and they know that they can do it. They might struggle a little bit at the beginning and, and when a teacher continues to come alongside them and say, okay, let's, let's do this and we'll do it together. And then it's, it's just baby steps, baby steps. And then as soon as the kids get those fundamentals, then it's just full flight school. The setup of teaching is very unique, very unique within NAS. Mm-hmm. It's not at all like you'll find in any other school because it's not a school. <laughs> so if I were a student and I went in, or if I'm a parent and I, I want to know what it's like for my kid that day in school, what does it look like? I come in as a student and what happens? Well, if we go, go to the very beginning of the year when, when we meet kids, I always test kids. And not to see if they're smart enough to be in our school, because that's certainly not where we're coming from. Um, we want to know how we can best serve children. So I need to know the students' strengths and weaknesses so that we can, can improve those weaknesses and make them strengths. But students come in. Um, we have the first 15, 20 minutes. Uh, kids sit around the table. We do... We, we do some discussion. Uh, we always, in the school day, we do work on mindfulness and teaching kids how to center so that they're, they're you know, they can they can calm themselves down, especially if they're they're frustrated by something. So stress management—that's yep. a serious skill set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you you know, I know some pretty stressed out grade ones, and uh, <laughs> you know, and and I look at them and I think, wow, this and is you're only in grade one. Here. Well, you got to think too. I mean, this when I joke around and say, "Haha, that's a serious skill set." Most adults don't know how to manage stress very well, and it shows in our health. Right, right. So, you know, mindfulness, meditation; those are kind of some of the techniques that that we use at the beginning of the day, just to set the tone for the day. But then teachers will will, will take kids to you know very subject areas in a classroom and teach a concept. And then kids have their own collaboration groups. So kids will come back and, and they'll talk about, you know, what the teacher was, was teaching. And they'll have exercises, programs to work on via computer, which, you know, allows teachers to get away from the, I got to spend five hours marking. Why do that if, if a computer can do it? so that teachers are freed up to actually work with kids. So at the beginning of the day, we, we do some mindfulness stuff. We always check in with kids. How are you feeling today? You know, how's it going? How can I help you? And then move into the academics. And But we only teach in max 15-minute blocks because that's about the, the attention span that even adults have. It's 15 minutes. <laughs> that's pretty sad. <laughs> that's pretty sad. I, I think it's really interesting that you were talking about collaboration groups because I know that when I was looking at medical schools way back when, that the system in the school I was looking at was all about group work. And it's one of the most powerful ways to accelerate learning is through collaborative group. And I know that Harvard mimicked that system after this school. And after this school had found success in that, and they'd taken a four-year medical program and turned it into three years. It's fascinating when you look at the setup of systems today 
And group, collaborative group is such an incredible opportunity. Learning from different viewpoints coming in, there's so much more richness in that experience than just one or just one teacher. Mm. Yeah, and kids have, you know, kids have their their specialist teachers in in various uh, academic subject areas. But then we also have what we we term, uh, uh, in our instructional staff, we have licensed teachers. But we also have what we call um, academic coaches. And they're parts of our instructional staff that that kids can always have access to. Because if a teacher's in a classroom teaching a concept to another group of kids and another student has has a question, they can always go to an academic coach and go, okay, how am I supposed to do this? And, and a lot of times academic coaches will be sitting in on collaborative groups. I, what I find very challenging about the way our, our current system is set up is is the whole standardized testing. Standardized testing, a lot of it is multiple choice. Right. Which is actually testing recall. Now, recall is the lowest form of thought. So what are we doing? <laughs> you know, kids kids have to learn to apply knowledge. And if you can explain uh, a concept and explain how it applies to a situation, you have you know mastered it. it. Yeah. That's right. So true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find often when it comes to big concepts or discussions around those concepts that it's taking complex ideas and being able to simplify them means you really truly understand them. Right. Right. Breaking them down. You know, we, we, we often teach chemistry using stories so kids know what the chemical bonds are and can right. remember them because they just pull up the story. Right. It's easier for us to do that because that's how human brains are wired. Yep. Stories are one of the best ways we could possibly learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And gone, you know, I think, I was going to say gone are the days. They're not gone. They should be. Uh, <laughs> where kids, you know, cram for an exam and, and then write the exam and then forget the material. We've all done that. Oh, my God. Have we ever done that? <laughs> I was the queen of cramming and I was so good at doing that. And then a week later, two weeks later, I'm like, I don't remember half that. Yeah. And at the NAS project, you know, kids, we, we assess their knowledge weekly, well, daily and weekly and monthly. Um, and they never know what's really, you know, going to pop up. I mean, it, it can be as simple as I come in the classroom and I just start chatting with the student. What I'm doing is assessing how well they've learned from that teacher. Right. So, you know, there's a, this ongoing assessment all the time and, and uh, you, can, you can measure how their kids' mastery is increasing uh, because it's just the way our whole system works is, is everybody is tapped in, everybody is engaged, everybody is helping to, to leverage and build knowledge on a consistent and constant basis. It just kind of makes me think back to talking about collaboration and stuff like that and being able to kind of um, move things forward in in faster ways. Just kind of reminds me of when I was in film and there was a really wonderful group of us that would share information, like everything that was going on within projects we had or the challenges we faced, how we overcame them or recommendations of ways to overcome certain challenges. And we progressed so much faster that way because of that collaboration and because of that openness. So it's really right. nice when our system is set up to offer that. 
Yeah, I think I think collaboration is so so important. It is such an underutilized skill. And I know in schools, I mean, parents will go oh, group work, but there's a difference between collaborative projects and group work. In a lot of schools, you know, they'll they'll do a a, a group project and three kids do the work and two yeah. kids don't and and that kind of thing. But that is so common. <laughs> I know, but in the NAS project, you know. The pupil-teacher ratio never, ever goes uh, above 10 kids to one teacher, and, and that would be unusual. You know, it's usually one teacher working with five kids on a collaborative project. So That's there's, amazing. There's, there's no way that, that, you know, two kids aren't working and three are. <laughs> yeah, it sticks out. That's right. You are a part of this, and you. I, I think that's a nice thing to teach too. Is the responsibilities that come along with being part of a group or part of this is your responsibility to be engaged in this group. You can't just sit back and do nothing. That's not life. I tell my kids, right. like if you don't, if you don't participate, you get fired. There's natural consequences in life if you don't show up. Right. You don't show up in whatever you're doing. There's natural consequences that come of this action. Right. And, you know, in, in, in the NAS project, I see the role of educators is really to engage, enlighten, empower, and inspire kids to, to take on those roles and, and take on the challenges and set bold goals and, and move forward and, and be a, a, a huge impact to the world because we're all responsible for, for how this spaceship Earth turns out. We, we want to empower kids and, and, and have them not fear that they can't do something, but to know they can. That's a massive limiter for most adults. I actually just took on a client with exactly that. Incredible potential. But then we self-sabotage because we think we can or we doubt or whatever. So being able to move around in the world, knowing, knowing deep down that you totally can do it because you've done it 50,000 times before because that's the way you are taught. What an incredibly empowering gift you give this generation to move forward in life. And what, what will they produce because of that in the world? I'm pretty excited. Yeah, you know, I, Kids are our future, and we hadn't better abandon them now. Um, I remember as a teacher in a classroom looking out, uh, you know, on, on a high school group and thinking, wow, you're going to be running the world before I even retire. Um, so I better do a good job. I better do a good job. I love that. So we know we need some funding. We need yep. some students. There are a few spots left with NAS. Um, an incredible opportunity for your kids to really excel, not only academically, but as people growing into the people they are. The program is so beautifully balanced with both academics and real life skills, which I'm finding more and more, there is such a vast discrepancy between skills that we need to move forward in life. Um, one of them, so coming from a finance background, I've felt that finance was one thing that should have been taught very, very early so that there was a good mastery of how money works and that it's a tool and that there shouldn't be fear or guilt or shame or whatever bull thing we wrap around it. Right. Um, finance being one of them, but EQ being another, it's extremely important to be able to move around in the world successfully with others. And these are skill sets that we have to know. 
we can't just live in the the world of I think history is really important. Don't get me wrong, because we tend to repeat it over and over and over again till we learn mm-hmm. the lesson. Because we're we're too stupid to learn the first time. Oh, it's not stupid. We're just <laughs> we're just not at that stage yet. We're ready to learn that lesson. Sometimes, sometimes it's personal, but sometimes it's very um, global. I think there are many lessons we're learning globally that are taking some time. But to be able to have those skill sets is such a unique opportunity with now. So I cannot recommend this program enough ever. <laughs> I will scream it for mountaintops. Go to the NAS project because it's amazing. Um, and how would people get in touch with um, engaged educators or with you or um, to be able to even look at the NAS project and what it offers or even one-off programs because their child is just really struggling in math and and everything else is moving along the way they expect and want it to. Let's say. Well, they can they can always they can always phone the office uh, uh, 403-283-3278. They can phone the office. Our one-on-one programs, especially our our, our reading uh, our reading program, tends to be our flagship. We do do free, no obligation reading screens. Doesn't cost anything to bring your child in here and have us take a look. So that's an assessment. Yeah. Yeah, that's an assessment. Uh, you know, they can email the office. It's probably better to, to phone and, and talk to a human being, but um, they can email me personally. Uh, I do actually answer my own email. Um, so it would be Lanny, L A N I, at engagededucators.com. And just shoot me a. Uh, an email and and I can send some information on the NAS project. Love to talk to to parents, even you know if they're not going to come into any of our programs. I really believe that an empowered parent is a is a, is a parent that has really valuable information. And I spend when I do base assessments for kids that don't cost any money, I spend an hour and a half doing it. And about a half an hour to 45 minutes of it is just talking to a parent and educating them about their child, what we see, and how they can help them. I remember that assessment. <laughs> the first day I sat with you and within the first few minutes, you said, no kid is stupid. And I was like, you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> because I knew my kid wasn't stupid. I knew he was quite smart. He was just struggling in this area. And I, we didn't know why at the time. But yes. Right. Yes, and what a gift. Right. Yeah, people, you know, people can go to our website too, engagededucators.com, and um, there's a NAS project tab there they can, they can uh, tap onto and, and get some more information too. And all our phone numbers and contact information is obviously on the website. Excellent. So that's engagededucators.com. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. This is the evolution of education right here. And you could be a you can be a part of this revolution. You can be a part of this movement. And I really hope that you do take um take the time to figure out where your kid's sitting at right now and are they getting all the key fundamentals that are really gonna drive them into success as adults. So many of us just felt that our system was so simple and it, like it was fine. And, you know, hey, I learned that way and that was, that was good. I'm not kidding how many people I work with that are blocked, 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 
because the fundamentals weren't put in place when they should have been. So now we deal with them as adults. And honestly, what a gift you give your children to not have to deal with the same garbage that we've had to deal with as adults because it wasn't gifted to, to us. We have the opportunity to gift that to our kids. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I'm a big believer in this, in this project? I am a big believer because I do believe this is a movement and I do think this will go worldwide. It will become a standard system, which is what we needed to, to really progress. We, we do. And, and I believe it too. I believe it'll go, it'll go worldwide. And, and, uh, we're, we're starting here and we're, we're refining. And I think all of our kids, you know, eventually will be K to 12 right now. Um, the bulk of our students sit around the grade four or five area, but, uh, uh, you know, the, the eeny beanies, we can get them really early on and, and then they don't have to, have the struggles that, that a lot of kids will when they, when they get into the regular school system and, and struggle with learning. So, you know, we deal with kids who, you know, are dyslexic. We deal with kids who are attention deficit. We, we uh, deal with kids who are gifted uh, that don't have a learning difficulty, but we take all kids because they're the center and, and we meet them where they are and take them where they need to go, regardless of their skill set. Oh, I will say this too. So this is not only for kids. NAS, yes, obviously, not a school, but you also teach adults. You do. You also teach adults and that, wow. Oh, there's some testimonials that will blow your mind. <laughs> that will blow your mind when it comes to adults. So if you find that you are one of those adults who is struggling or you have some serious issues around reading well or being competent in being able to present or um, feel that you can't learn a new skill, you'd be surprised what you are really capable of doing once you have the fundamentals in place. Yeah, um, a lot of times when we deal with uh, adults, it's a case that they didn't learn how to learn. Right. Fundamentals. And, it's bizarre like to, to think of it that way, but uh, you know, we've, we've worked with adults for like six one hour sessions and just turn things around. But I mean, think about it. I just told you my son's or my friend's son, very gifted child, super smart and has just been bumped through, bumped through, bumped through. And now he's, he's starting, he is seeing where there are problems because he's moving into another grade and he didn't even learn the last grade stuff. So how do we release these people out into the world as adults? Just keep pushing them through the system because no one can fail. Everyone gets a trophy. <laughs> That's not life. I'm just saying. Life does not give everybody a trophy. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, life's a contact sport. Get a helmet. <laughs> That's right. Get ready. Get bruised and bumped and dirty because that's the best life you're ever going to live when you do. Maybe we should talk about um, when the when the when we get our own building, what what that looks like for parents never to have to make a lunch again. Oh, let's talk about that because I don't even know about that. I don't think we've talked about that. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll we'll center it around the funding piece, right? Okay. So when we get when we get 
uh, our funding in place and we get our forever home, so to speak, we will put in a commercial kitchen. And what that means to parents is they will never, ever, ever have to make a lunch again simply because kids will, ha will eat lunch at, at school and it's part of the tuition and they can come. Nothing drove me more nuts as a, as a both teacher and administrator when, you know, kids that would get hungry at 10 o'clock, you have kids in junior high and high school that yep. they're growing and, they're growing. and they need a snack at 10, not at recess or, in, or they're hungry at 11, not at noon. Yep. Shouldn't they just be able to go to the cafeteria and grab something to eat? Like, or they don't have enough. They don't have enough food. Like it wasn't packed. And I can say, honestly, as a parent, I hate packing lunches. Every day I'm like, oh my God, where are we going to pack for lunch? What's snack going to be? What's this? What's that? Honestly, to be able to have a commercial kitchen, but also your kid gets to understand one, how food is prepared because they're in there. You also talked about a greenhouse, which I think is yes. spectacular because I am very much a believer that kids need to know where our food comes from. It doesn't come from a grocery store. Yes, it does. But no, it doesn't. It comes from the ground and this is how it grows. And these are the things that we need to know because as much as we have access to all this food, if we didn't at any given time, we need to know the fundamentals of food. Right. We're, we're, we'll have greenhouses and, and uh, next year we'll actually have uh, hydroponic gardens. Uh, Love it. Because yeah, kids, kids really do need to know carrots don't really come from Safeway. And, oh, because uh, they taste disgusting when they come from Safeway. <laughs> like a fresh carrot from a garden is a night and day different. Same thing with peas. So every year, those are certain things that we grow no matter what because the taste differential is so vast. Peas are one of them. Carrots are another. They're, they're magical when they come out of the ground. Yeah, microgreens are another one that that, that are. Don't mean microgreens. <laughs> <laughs> I could just um, go off on a tangent about microgreens. <laughs> but you know, I I really think that um, you know kids need to learn nutrition, just like you know they learn need to learn how you know character development is just as important as nutrition and how to fuel your body and how to fuel yep. your brain. Yes. For healthy, again, these are life skills that I don't think are being taught or aren't being taught in the ways that we really should be teaching. We used to have home ec, right? When you and I were growing up, we had home ec. So it kind of taught you food, how to cook, how to use a recipe. I never use recipes. And even if I pull recipes, I usually pull three or four of the same kind of idea. I look at the f fundamentals of the or the relationship within the three or four recipes, these are all the same. So I know this is approximately what I want to use. And then this is the rest for me to decide what I want. Or I just create things on the fly. I'm very good like that. And a lot of people can't function like that because they don't understand how food works together. Well, this and this work together, but this and this won't. Right. And these are life skills. You need to know how foods work what foods like when you're eating something with high iron, you want to have something with vitamin C in it because it allows your body to absorb the iron. You need to know these things. So, right. But they're not taught. They're not taught and they should be taught. Again, life skills that are really important. So I think that's another absolute amazing benefit to coming to the NAS. Yeah, it's, it's uh, food chemistry really is what it is. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just like how this works in your body and how you actually feed your brain. So your brain is very efficient and you're not walking around in brain fog all the time. Oh, right. But most of us are. Well, I can, I can honestly say I don't do that anymore, which is lovely since changing my diet. But I, I really learned a lot about diet because I, I want to live a healthy life. And diet is a big part. Right. And I think it's important to teach kids, you know, what, what brain foods are. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the, the nice thing when we get a commercial kitchen is they'll be able to hang out with the chef at times too and, and, and learn those skills as well. Yep. But being able to appreciate, you know, what it takes to, to push food out in, in, you know, large quantities, but keep, keep the nutrition factors there and, and be respectful of dietary needs and, and cultural needs in terms of, of understanding food. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's funny when I think about food <laughs> and how different my relationship with food is today than it was even five years ago. Very different. And I, I'm grateful for all food that nourishes this body and how it works in the body. Fundamentals we need. Yeah. Right. Well, eat lots of blueberries. They're really good for your brain. <laughs> Um, eat lots of fats and understanding the difference between that too. Like a fat is not a fat is not a fat. Just like a carb isn't a carb isn't a carb. Right. Right. We need to know the difference between clean and well, what people call clean and dirty, but really like fast carbs, slow carbs, complex carbs, and where these sources come from. Like most people don't think that they're fruits and vegetables. Well, fruits maybe, but vegetables have carb counts and what type of carbs those are and how carbs work with fiber. And the combinations of different fruits and vegetables and meats, like our proteins and our fats and how we take them in and when we take them in. It's another thing that's really important with diet. When to take in your glucose or when to take in your higher sugar contents and why you would take them in at that time. I'm going to go work out. I need that burst of energy. So I'm going to eat this at this time because that's going to function really well in my body. And once you learn this, it's like magic. All the extra weight, all the health issues that come with that all the long-term health issues that come with inflammation in the body, all that becomes irrelevant. It's, it's no longer an issue within our society. And it doesn't matter what culture you are, you understand these fundamentals. Shifts everything. And that, could, and that could be taught. And when you have <laughs> access to all these beautiful things, it just becomes easy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Funding. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> See, you need to come to this school. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so speaking of funding, we have been talking about this for a long time. And I do want to kind of put it out there, um, what the school is looking for. So when we're talking about permanent location, there have been a few funders that have come in and out. <laughs> um, but we are looking for funding. And I say we because... I'm sorry, I, I really want all this project. <laughs> I, I, I kind of see this as, as a pet project of mine. I shouldn't say pet because I don't view it that way. I really do see it as something I'm very committed to as well. Um, but funding is definitely a discussion. If you are interested in some of the things we talked about today, you really should phone Lanny and have a discussion around how you could potentially be one of the investors or... Um, or help this project move forward because it's, it's really spectacular what it will provide. Perfect. 
<laughs> All right, Lenny, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this beautiful vision. I'm super excited to see a million students come on board with you. That may be over the next five years, but <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly, certainly my pleasure. And um, thank you for all the work you do because you do some amazing work too. It's because we believe in people. <laughs> the power of people and what can, what can come of doing, doing the work, right? Setting the, setting the foundation, setting the principles in place, and then letting them really flourish and thrive. All right, my beautiful peeps, and that wraps up today's podcast with Lani, and I'm so grateful she was on today. If you are loving Fair Goes, leave us five stars, subscribe below, check us out on Spotify, on iTunes, and iHeartRadio. We are also on Google Play, amongst many other platforms. You can just search us out for Fear It Goes. Check out all the great stuff that's going on. Come check us out at fearitgoes.com. And if you have any comments for the podcast or any ideas, please definitely drop us a line. Put it in the comments under the podcast tab on Fear It Goes website. We are coming up so close on the sex series. I know I talk about it all the time, but I've been recording it and it's been so fun. I am super stoked to bring this to you. Um, but we have one more week out before we start the, that series. So next week, we are going to be talking about some very exciting things. I don't even want to tell you yet. You just have to listen. It's going to be great. I promise you're going to find some great value in next week's um, content. And then the sex series begins. So my beautiful souls, until next week, have an absolutely extraordinary week. presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.